When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Your Tigers... Uh, did the impossible, did the absolute impossible. They beat SEMO. Um, the doubters, the doubters out there say it can never be done. It can never be done. And yet valiantly, Eli Drinkwitz, his staff and his team took the field against the haters and currently lead, uh, what is it? 52, 14 right now. We are recording Mm -hmm. uh, eight minutes in the fourth quarter left. I think we're okay. I think the Missouri Tigers have this in the bag. BK, how are you feeling, man? I'm doing excellent. Uh, The Missouri Tigers came out with a victory today that, as you said, nobody saw coming. I mean, this is this is basically LSU 2020 all over again. So we are going to give you a three hour breakdown on exactly how they did it, exactly what we saw from Tyler Macon and Brady Cook and how this is all repeatable against Boston College next week. So I'm looking forward to this, man. That's the thing, man. 
I love FCS games. It it's like uh, it's it's playing you know Madden or NCAA on the easiest level. You're like, wow, I'm really good at this game. Why don't I play it like this all the time? Uh, and then you crank up the difficulty a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we knew this going in. We knew that there was just this was mostly just to put some weird stuff on film that opponents have to look at to get some reps for your ones, make sure no one gets injured and then have the backups kind of see the field. And along those lines, not good so far. I didn't see any starter get injured. I did see Darius Robinson leave with something going on with his ankle. Um, I don't know what that is. It doesn't sound like anyone else knows what that is, but he looked to be in a lot of pain, which isn't great, especially since he earned the start for this week. Um, so hopefully he is doing well, but uh, seems like everybody else got out of there without uh, without any injury, which is what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, that's the single most important thing in a game like this is that you escape without any devastating injuries for key players. And Darius Robinson, I will say, he got the start today mm-hmm. and he he appeared to be their best defensive tackle. Uh, one thing that you can glean from games like this is when people get their playing time. You're not going to see Tyler Beatty playing in the fourth quarter of a blowout because Tyler Beatty is your best player right now. Mm-hmm. A guy like J.J. Hester, for example, him playing midway through the third quarter and getting some reps even into the second quarter, that's meaningful. That tells you that he's not like completely buried on the depth chart. He's just behind the guys that they trust the most right now. Mm-hmm. Darius Robinson is a starting level defensive tackle for them right now. Makai Wingo, a guy that we thought played really well in the opening week, He was getting reps late into the third quarter in this game. That does not suggest that he is at the top of the depth chart any longer. So it is not an insignificant loss that they potentially have a a serious injury. Again, we don't know right now as we're recording this, but we'll see if that is a serious injury. It does matter. But if we're doing the pecking order of like which guys are the most indispensable for this team. I mean, Darius Robinson is not on the same level as a guy like Tyler Beatty or Connor Bazelak or even Dominic Lovett, but it isn't a totally insignificant loss for this team. And hopefully everything's going to be all right for him. Yeah. He looked to be in a lot of pain, but you know, sometimes that's a good thing. I know I always think of um, when Lawrence Bowers tore his ACL, what was that? 20, 2011 or 2012. I forget what. But he yeah, it was the 2011, 2012. Season. That's right. That's what it was. So it was both. Um, he walked off the court and like he wasn't in a lot of pain. He wasn't screaming. He was just very, very sad because he knew it. I feel like injuries mm-hmm. like that. It's mostly like you're not in a ton of pain. You just feel it and you know it. If you're rolling around and like you're in a lot of pain, I feel like that's more something that's a little bit more manageable. That is a totally BS non doc, non medical opinion that I have. Huh. Um, but you usually see those kind of injuries like they they tend to be okay as long as it's not some kind of catastrophic knee issue. Um, so yeah, we'll I see. mean, Nate, have you ever sprained your ankle before? <laughs> oh, buddy, have I? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, it's excruciating. Yeah. Like the pain you feel in the immediate aftermath is brutal, and so it like that that is an injury that can potentially keep you out for multiple weeks, but. It's not a season ender. It's not something that you're probably going to have to have surgery mm-hmm. on and go under the knife or anything like that. And the hope would be that's what this is. Yeah. It's a, it's an ankle injury. It's a sprained ankle and he'll be able to come back two weeks from now and all is going to be fine. That's that's what the hope is at this point. Um, we'll see. But it appears, at least at the time of recording this and at this point, 
it's all backups anyways. Uh, most of the starters were able to come out of this thing relatively unscathed, at least as far as serious injuries. And that's that's the single, mo- the two most important things in a game like this. Yeah. One, you win handily. Two, everybody that is like super important to your roster is able to escape without injury. Yeah. So Case Cook was a uh, was questionable for the game. He did not start. Connor Wood started it in his place. Enos Rakestraw was also questionable for the game. He was also in street clothes. So Caleb Evans uh, got the start because Enos Rakestraw couldn't play, not because uh, Caleb Evans earned it. So um, still not totally sure what we're doing with the cornerback depth chart here, or if anything at all, if we're just putting names on paper and sending it out to the media at this point. Hmm. Um, but you, typically, you know, what regardless of who starts or who doesn't, we saw Evans out there. We saw Birdine out there. They started it off. Uh, Allie Green did finally get some playing time, uh, had a big uh, 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 pass deflection, a possible interception, and then also a whiffed tackle that led to a touchdown. So um, kind of a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. That might be one of the reasons why he is not starting. Um, but overall, and this is just kind of the nature of these types of games, you saw something that you liked pretty much from every unit on the field. Were there any demerits that you can think of uh, from at least the kind of the top two uh, lines that you saw anything that you didn't like, or was it all pretty good? Um, yeah, I mean, th- there were definitely some things, uh, defensively, they allowed the quarterback to get out, out in the running game a decent amount. Uh, Basilek was sharp, really sharp for the first quarter midway through the second. You saw a couple of errant throws. I don't know if that was, he was kind of shaking yeah, his hand at one point. Thing, yeah. Yeah, it might have had to do with that or maybe just a lack of focus when you're up like 28 to nothing, which is understandable. But uh, you'd like to see a little bit more crisp finishes to those drives. Uh, There were a couple of receivers early on in that second quarter that whether it be drops or just not quite making the plays that you would like to see them make. I mean, there's stuff like that uh, that you can you can nitpick about. But I mean, they, they, they won the game when it was still in question with the starters in. And they did so to a very, very high degree. So mm-hmm. anything that I would say to that is just like nitpicking. But yeah, it's, it's basically the things that you would expect. Run defense, not perfect. Passing game for 20-ish minutes, perfect. And then the next like five or so, not quite perfect. But otherwise, man, there was a lot more good than bad in this game, of course, as you would expect. Connor Bazelak with the big time over the top passing game looked really good. Mm-hmm. Tyler Beatty was excellent. You saw the explosiveness that we expected to see. I was really encouraged to see guys like uh, Looper and Hester have big plays yeah. in this game. Yeah, um, th- those are the types of things that you want to see, and especially in the second quarter when they happened. Um, those are those are kind of the biggest things for me to to really hone in on is the speed guys that you would expect to look good against FCS opponents looked good against an FCS opponent. Yeah, and Simo just scored, so that puts him at twenty one. We do have our third streamers in. I see Will Norris. I see Ben. Uh, I see Ben Key. I see Daniel Robledo. So yeah, these are third streamers that are giving that up. Regardless, um, yeah, you the the skill positions did look really good. I think we can officially officially say. Mookie Cooper is going to play this season not at 100% because mm-hmm. he did get a couple of catches and a couple of runs, but he wasn't breaking away from anybody, and, like, that's his bag. So, I don't know. Are we are we cool with a 85% healthy Mookie Cooper for this season? Is that just what we're going to roll with? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, there's, there's just nothing else we can do about it, right? 
So you're going to have to live with it. This is who he's going to be for the here and now. It's a little discouraging. I know that there was that shot play that they took to him. Ended up going for like 50 yards. Um, something like that. What what was the exact yardage on, on his? Uh, yeah. Cooper, 46 yards yeah. was his shot play that he had. I would have liked to have seen that go for more. I know that's... That, this is how we end up sounding when, when you're talking about a game like this is, hey, they had a 50 yard shot play and it should have gone for more. But it's it's true. They should have had more yardage on that play because Mookie Cooper against FCS defensive back should be significantly faster, just should outrun them. And it should look like Tyree Hill going up against a college defender. It didn't. Yeah. He just looked like a pretty fast dude going up against a college defensive back. The guy that looked the fastest, I mean, the two guys that looked the fastest going up against their defensive backs today were actually Looper and, and Hester. Yeah. Hester ran away from the defense like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was it was remarkable to see. And then Looper going down the sideline, he just, there were guys that had really good angles against him and they had no chance, no chance to be able to catch up against him. Yeah. I never felt that way when Cooper had the ball in his hands. And that's it's a little discouraging. Mm-hmm. It's a little frustrating, but I think this is the reality of his season. Well, I think it's it's why Chance Looper is starting and Mookie Cooper is not. Because mm-hmm. Chance Looper can be fast and is fast and is healthy enough to be fast. So that's what uh that's what he's gonna do. And you know, Mookie Cooper is not not hundred percent, can't do that. So he's not gonna be starting. Um I'm yeah, I don't I certainly don't want to be like, well, we should just, you know. We should put him on the shelf and not bring him out again for the rest of the season. Like, I'm not saying that, but I do wonder what, what a couple of weeks off would look like, you know, for him, obviously foot ankle injuries are tough just in general to, to get over those take some time, but they keep trotting him out there just to get some, get some reps. And I don't know if it's for the best or what, but uh, he is not going to be, we're not, you're not going to get the full Mookie Cooper experience this year. Uh, which is, you know, yeah. it's good because you get to see Chance Looper. You get to see J.J. Hester. Obviously, Hester is not in what I'll say real games for a reason. But damn, I want to see him against. So I want to see him against mm-hmm. Boston College. I want to see him against some SEC teams because in high school, you know, what we saw him do was just just about everything. And and we have not seen that in the 10 games last year and, and three games so far this year really haven't seen a whole lot of them. So I hope he can use this as a springboard to see some more playing time. Cause I really like the skill set he brings on the field. Yeah. I mean, he, he could high point the ball in high school. He was a guy that ran through contact. He had incredible speed, which you saw on Saturday against Simo. He had everything. He was one of my favorite players in that class. Maybe my, my individual favorite player in the class, And we just haven't seen much of him on the college level yet. I think you're going to see more of it. I think what he did against SEMO is at least going to open the eyes of the coaching staff. This is one of the issues with judging players based on how they practice. Some guys, as we mentioned earlier this week, just aren't good practice players. And they show up in the games. And that's that's not necessarily a good thing, but it's the reality. (laughs) And once you see what they can do against legit competition and you watch it in a game, it's like, oh, that's a little different than what we saw in practice and you should continue going towards that, right? Like embrace it. And the guy should continue to practice better. I get all of that, but play the best players regardless of how they're practicing at practice. And if that's going to be JJ Hester moving forward, yeah, let's see a little bit more playing time from him. Um, He was just one of many guys that got early playing time that were backups in this game. Let's go ahead and discuss a few others as well. 
Um, Messiah Swinson, we did see a, a couple of early snaps for him at tight end. Didn't see much from him. He did get one opportunity in the red zone. It was an overthrow by Connor Bazelak, and Bazelak got crushed on the play, so it was an understandable overthrow. Um, that was one. Connor Wood got to his typical early work with the offensive line. He started um, in this one. Johnny Walker Jr., Jatorian Hansford, and Arden Walker were the first subs along the defensive line that got playing time. Kind of to be expected there. Mm -hmm. And then at linebacker, we we did get to see guys that rotated through. Chad Bailey and Jamie Petway were the first men up, and it looks like those are pretty clearly the number three and four linebackers right now. I know we had seen some Chad Bailey previously. There was some question, who's the number four guy there? Pretty clearly Jamie Petway. So the one thing that you can learn in games like this is, okay, if somebody went down, who are the next men up? And we did see some of that with uh, individual performances. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you. I like to see the rotation. It didn't really happen until my third quarter, really. Um, so that that's okay. But again, you see the youth, and you know, Messiah Swenson's not the youngest guy on the team, but he's been around for a while, and it's like it's good to see him get some action. Uh, we mentioned the younger receivers. You mentioned the other linemen. These are all good things. You want to kind of be building towards the future. And having those young guys get some experience uh, so when it's time for them to actually play, you know, they're not, they're used to the speed, they're used to seeing the field, all that sort of stuff. So that's all good. Uh, Tyler Macon did not get the first call out to the field. Brady Cook was the first uh, backup on the field. He threw a touchdown pass. But Tyler Macon, very cool moment. His first uh, collegiate pass went for a touchdown, 65 yards mm -hmm. with uh, with J.J. Hester. That is a very cool moment, and that's something that uh, he's always going to remember. I'm certainly going to remember it. Uh, I don't know if you know he's going to stay all four, four or five years here or what his story is going to be, but uh, it's always cool to see a local, well, local-ish uh, kid come in and uh, have a have a moment like that. So very cool for Tyler. Awesome. It was huge, and it was also a rocket of a throw. Really I mean, he showed off a cannon of an arm on that play. Brady Cook, by the way, a little bit of love for him. He's been really good when given opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, credit where it is due. He, every time he comes into the game, he's super efficient. He doesn't have, like, similar to Tyler Macon, for example, a cannon of an arm. But he gets the job done. And he comes in and he's successful and he dumps it off a lot. But he's been 10 for 11 to start his career here at Mizzou. He was 10 for 11 for 97 yards and two touchdowns. That's pretty darn good, man. Mm -hmm. And Mizzou right now, in terms of their quarterback room, especially when you look to next year and they add Sam Horn to that mix, it's a lot of talent in that room. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to transfer because that's how this works. Maybe multiple guys will transfer. And if it's Brady Cook, for example, I think he's going to go on to have a really successful group of five career. Yeah. Wherever he decides to go, maybe it's a power five lower level program. He could probably do that if he wanted to. But if he goes to like, a Toledo type of a program, he's going to be super successful and put up good numbers and I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes because he's been pretty darn good and efficient whenever he's gotten into the game for Mizzou over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Taylor Powell, you remember that guy? He's starting mm -hmm. for Arkansas State. Starting. Like, that's that's pretty big deal. Arkansas State's a good team. I think it's Butch Jones that coaches them now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, yeah, it's inevitable one of these guys is going to transfer, like you said, possibly more. But I like what Brady Cook has done. He certainly is not the highest rated quarterback on, on this roster right now, but 
Between last year and this year, he has looked very composed. He seems to run the offense very well. Um, yeah, I, I've been impressed with him. And so he is, he is a quality backup. I don't know what he would do with starter minutes or a starting roster around him, but um, he's done really, really well. So that was very cool. Uh, we saw BJ Harris, you know, we talked about Ryan Horsecamp, um, you know, on the offensive line. I, I think everybody has played on the offensive line so far defensive line. You saw the Juco guys get in there. Um, I like realist George's game, by the way, I know we've already seen him, uh, against Kentucky and against central Michigan, but just a reminder, he is just, um, he is just a bowling ball of knives and he just, I'm not sure like if his technique is super great, but God, he just barrels through the line and just creates destruction. I don't know if it's productive or helpful, but he is a very destructive player and that makes I enjoy that a lot. Did you see who the first uh tight end was that was able to get onto the field, by the way, of the young guys? Uh I believe it was Horse, right? That's right. Yeah. My guy Ryan Horse camp getting some early opportunities in the third quarter. So congrats to him. Didn't see a whole lot, honestly. He he really didn't hardly run any routes. It was mostly in 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and they were running the ball a lot or just the quick pop pass game that I think Brady Cook was in the game at that point. So mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for him, but it was good to see him get in there. Uh, the guys on the O-line that mixed in early that are the younger guys, it was Luke Griffin, a guy that I frankly would like to see get more playing time. Yeah. Uh, EJ and Doma Ogar was in there for his first snaps mm-hmm. as a Mizzou player, I believe. Look good. And Connor Tolleson, the freshman, was in there as well. So you got to see young guys along the interior, and those are three individuals that are going to be competing for playing time next year because you've got some seniors in that interior. That th- Those guys are going to be super important to the success of this program when they're really trying to win something meaningful. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was the cornerback rotation. I found sure. it to be pretty interesting. Yeah, what'd you think? Did we see Dalen Carnell? No, not at all. Is he hurt? To our there, knowledge, there's been no. no reports of that, to right? To our knowledge, no. That's very interesting to me because, I mean, it's high school tape and there's only so much that you can glean from it. But when I watched their corners that came into last year's class, he was the one that I thought immediately, oh, yeah, he if he's forced into action right away, he could do it. I, I don't know if he'd be great, but he could do it right away. Meanwhile, Zaquan Reeves and uh, DJ Jackson, like these guys were players that I thought were going to be big time projects once they got to Mizzou. And they're seeing the field mm-hmm. before we're seeing the guys that I thought would be ready to go right away. It's interesting to me, man. I, I really don't know what to make of it. And again, maybe there's something we don't know. There probably is. But Dalen Carnell not seeing the field was one of the biggest surprises to me in the first three quarters of this one. Yeah. And Taj Butts, too. Like, Taj Butts and Dalen Carnell are in the same camp of why aren't you on the field? Because but Butts played. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, excuse me. Not Butts. B.J. Harris. B.J. Harris. Did, I get yeah. those guys confused all well, the time. You know who's on the field right now is Michael Cox. And he's looking good. <laughs> Which, like, again, you want the best players to play. I understand that. Um, it's just, it's just, Michael, okay, Michael Cox just scored. Okay. Um, he looks good. He, looks he, good. he legitimately but, has been super productive. There are two running backs on this roster who are different than every other running back on the roster. One of them is Taj Butts. The other is Michael Cox. Who got, who gets to play Michael Cox? Same for Dalen Carnell. Super long arms. Very quick tall like 
he seemed to have the skill set you needed and he's nowhere <laughs> to be found. Like, do they really practice that poorly? Is this really, a, I don't know, is man. this really a game that's so far, that's still in reach that we can't just trot those guys out there to see what they do. It's very surprising to me. And m- maybe by the time we're done recording this, we'll see both of those guys uh, get significant action, but it is those were probably two of the bigger surprises to me. I, I thought after watching film that Taj Butts would be a guy that was probably competing for the playing time that BJ Harris is getting. Mm-hmm. I just I thought he was better in high school. And clearly that has not shown itself in in camp and now into the season. But that that was my expectation um, that those were those were some of the biggest surprises to me. Uh, big picture since in this one. One thing that I think we learned was that Eli Drinkwitz is completely ruthless. <laughs> he hates um, Simo. <laughs> I, uh, uh. I figured going into halftime, they had a fourth and two from the Simo five. There's 28 seconds to go, and at the time, they're up 31 to nothing. It's like, okay, cool. Time to get the thicker kicker out there. He'll kick a 22-yarder. We'll go into the half. It'll be great. Everybody will be happy that they're up 34 to nothing at the end of the half. Nope. (laughs) Eli Drinkwitz takes a timeout, 28 seconds to go, decides, you know what? Here's what we're going to do from fourth and two at the CMO five. Uh, Tyler Beatty, get back out there. You're going to go ahead on on an outside zone run. You're going to pick up four yards for us to be able to to take this lead once again after converting this fourth down. God bless him, man. I got no issue with it. He's it's all situational in these kinds of in these kinds of spots. You want to work on certain things. And he clearly wanted to work on fourth and short in the red zone. And they were able to do that. Maybe he just needs to get the muscle memory of calling it in the first place, because it would have been nice to see that aggression (laughs) against Kentucky, especially towards the end of the game last week. That's fair. Um, But no, hey, whatever it takes, man. Like he, he did that last year, too. He was going for it on fourth down against Alabama, against LSU. I guess Arkansas did it a couple times. He was, he was fearless. And so that was so weird last week down late uh, towards the end of the game that he punted from, I believe plus yardage. I think it was, you know, the 45. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that they're working on it. I'm glad that he's doing it. That's always nice. Um, you know, when, when I, when I previewed this team in the summer, I looked at the previous three times that Missouri has played SEMO and the quality of those Missouri teams and the quality of those SEMO teams and kind of regardless of quality, Missouri has just beaten the hell out of them. I think coming into mm. this game, um, Missouri all time was 136 to six <laughs> point wise. Um, obviously it's 59 to 21 right now. So this is the most points that has been given up uh, by a Missouri team to a SEMO team. My first question to you is, does it, does that even really matter to you? No, uh, and here's the reason why. And by the way, they're about to score again on your feed. Just a heads up. Oh. It's a very long run. That is not pretty for Missouri's defense. The guys that are allowing the scoring are guys that aren't going to see the field by and large for Mizzou this year. Yeah. It does tell me a little something about the depth of Missouri's team. <laughs> like Missouri, yeah. Missouri's depth is getting beat right now in the second half against SEMO. That's not great. Yeah. That's not what you want to see. Um, but... That depth is also what Eli Drinkwitz, that's why these recruiting classes are important. That's why the rankings that we're talking about are really meaningful, because two years from now, instead of it being guys that are three star, low three star prospects or Juco guys that came in kind of on a on a trial basis or 
Um, some of these guys that are in right now are walk-ons. Instead of that being who's playing in the fourth quarter of games against SEMO, it, it might be high three stars and some young four stars that are getting into the games late in these opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's what Drinkwitz is trying to improve right now. It's that blue chip talent that you talk so much about. What's the quality of your roster? How, what percentage of them are four and five star players? Right now, the top of Missouri's team is still pretty darn good. But their depth is is just not where it needs to be. It reminds me a little bit of 2012. You remember that first SEC game against Georgia yeah. where for a half, Missouri looked like they were going to compete mm -hmm. and then it was just it was over. done, over, <laughs> yeah. game over in the second half. Yeah. Missouri was a one-half team at that point. That's kind of where they're at again. It, it's, it's about getting back to where they need to be depth-wise and they'll get there, but yeah. it, just, it takes time to do that. I'm starting to think that uh, Drinkwitz might have been right as far as guys don't practice enough to earn playing time. You know, mm -hmm. still haven't seen Travian Ford. That's a by good the point. Way. Yeah. Um, so he's he he got out there a little bit. Okay, he did good. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, br briefly. I I don't know how much playing time he got, but in the second half, I did see him. He, I think he had a sack, if I'm not mistaken, or he he made wow. a TFL in some capacity I must early have been in the second a leak half. at the time. Um, yeah. So so it was very quick. But yeah, the point is. Drinkwitz this week said, and what we talked about on the show, that you know guys aren't practicing good enough to be on the field. And I'm glad that he is letting them on the field because it's now showing us that he was right and these guys aren't good enough mm -hmm. to, to face certainly SEC competition, let alone SEMO. Um, now, it doesn't mean they're going to suck forever. You, you cited the 2012 team. That was a one-half team. You're right. Guess what? That also became back-to-back -back SEC East division winning teams. Mm -hmm. But they needed to get that live fire. They needed to get that experience and they needed to grow up quick, if you will, um, by getting the, the tarp beat out of them for an entire season. So just because they suck now doesn't mean they're going to suck all the time. And, you know, some of these, these guys are going to graduate. And so people will have to step up and they will. Um, but, yeah, you need to bring in these recruiting classes and light them on fire and, and get them experience and have it all coalesce into one season where you can really make some moves and that's what's happening here so um yeah not great to give up so many points but you know again win number one it doesn't matter how just win number two this game is still not in question no matter how many points simo scores and number three this is this is just the, the team that we are a little bit flawed a little bit young young teams are very glitchy these sorts of things happen um and we're just getting out of here and and getting ready for bc next week so um, yeah, I think, I think we're going to be okay. You know, this, this game wasn't going to tell us much other than what the backups could do. And I'm glad we saw them because yeah, they're not good. They're not very good yet. And that's okay. Especially at linebacker. Um, I, I feel like the, the number one spot that we learned Missouri is deficient in its, its depth. And we probably should have known this, but we certainly know it now. Missouri's young linebackers are not ready for the SEC. Missouri's young interior defensive linemen and honestly just you can expand it to the entire defensive line mm -hmm. they're not ready they're not ready to go up against SEC opponents will they get there yeah I think by year two or three of being on campus those guys can be good players but they're not there right now Drinkwitz has seen that in practice and that's why you're not seeing them and I know earlier this week both of us kind of expressed our frustration with not seeing them well we saw them today it didn't go well and in the second half Simo ran all over Missouri so if that is any indication against Kentucky, imagine how bad it would have been oh, if it God. wasn't yeah. Nicholson and Aldridge out there. And instead it was 
uh, love it and name your other favorite young linebacker on the team. It wouldn't have been good. So it would have been worse, frankly. So that's why we're they're playing who they are at linebacker and along the defensive line. I know it can get tiresome sometimes to see those guys struggling, but just because you change the name on the back of the jersey doesn't mean that it's going to get better. Yeah. And what we saw today is that it can get worse. Buddy Bell said this once upon a time as the Royals manager back in the day. He said, I'll never say it can't get worse. For Missouri <laughs> right now, on the run defense, never say that it can't get worse because it absolutely can. It can, yeah. So all things, you know, even with all of this that we're talking about here, this is still, you know, it's still a whim. And historically, Missouri just kind of owns SEMO. I feel confident saying that. We decided the 136 to 6 coming into this. BK, I want to ask you, in your personal life, personal life or professional life, is there anything out there that is your SEMO to your Missouri? Is there anything that you do either on a day-to-day or a monthly or an annual basis that you just dominate no matter how you're doing, what your life situation is, you can always reliably dominate it to the way that Missouri has dominated SEMO. Do you have anything like that? This is like the worst answer possible, but I am excellent at chugging a body armor or a water after my run. Like that thing, (laughs) sir, it has no chance against me. No chance whatsoever. Uh, That thing is going to be gulped in like three sips and it's going to take seven seconds and it's over. Um, I am excellent at chugging in general. That's that is the thing that I, uh, I I've got. That is my SEMO. I will also say my intro and my takeaways piece that people can read at this point. <laughs> if you're listening to this, it's up on the website, rockmnation.com. Oh, yeah. My intro to my piece today is is kind of a hearkening back to this. When I was in middle school, I played on a, a quite bad competitive basketball team. Um, we we were not very good. I was not particularly good, but we all thought that we were better than we actually were. Right. You know how sure, that goes. Yeah. So we played one tournament that was a legit AAU tournament in Kansas City. It was downtown and it was like all the best teams in the city were in it. And then there was us. Um, And we went up against this team that I would have to imagine some of them went on to play college basketball somewhere. I don't know where any of them are. I don't know any of their names, but they were like six, six in seventh grade and they were dunking and throwing alley-oops and it was insane. And the highlight of the game for us was one of my teammates, five foot, like scrappy kid that just tried his heart out, blocked one of their shot attempts. And that was the highlight of our game. I do not remember how much we lost by, but I know we lost by at least 50 in that game. I was SEMO in that game. So I've been on the SEMO side. Mm -hmm. It ain't fun, man. But I would have to imagine the other team had a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, Mizzou deserves to be happy about the performance that they put out there. I, I know the ending. They gave up 28 points. They ran all over them in the end. I'm setting that aside. This is a successful week for Mizzou, and now you get to see what it really looks like when they go up against a quality opponent, which we will talk about on Tuesday's night show, Wednesday for you guys listening. Uh, BC is going to be a much bigger test than what you saw on Saturday against SEMO. Because guess what? BC has a backup quarterback, something that Missouri has never struggled with before, right? Right. That's how it works. You got to pretend you didn't just say that. I didn't know you were a secret chuggernaut. I feel like that's something that I should know by now. I'm like, okay. So water, water and various beverages stand no chance against you. That's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what mine is. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm pretty much dominate uh, beyond the box score at this point, which you should all should read. 
but I don't know. I think Mario Kart 64 is probably mine. Um, it doesn't matter if you want to come over to my house and play, pick up the controller, pick your track that you want to lose on. You're not going to, you're not going to beat me. I've got, I, love it. I got 25 years of experience with that stupid game and you're, I'm, I am unbeatable. I am the Missouri <laughs> to your SEMA when we play Mario Kart 64. So there you go. I love it. Uh, um, Nate, yes. On, on Wednesday show for the listeners, we got to talk about Kentucky and their performance against Chattanooga and what that tells us about Missouri or what it tells us about college football as a whole. And I cannot wait to hear your breakdown of yet another swing game. We're going to have to have some sort of a bingo that people play whenever they listen to this show. Swing game, uh, measuring stick games, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is a big one coming up uh, next weekend. It's it's a it's a good program. Good power five program on the road that that's going to be tough, but this is why we pay drink with the big bucks he gets his team prepared and uh, we will, we'll see what happens. But yeah, we got a lot of work ahead of us to figure out what that's going to look like. And then of course, put the bow on the SEMO show, uh, SEMO game, I should say. But uh, yeah, that's, I think that's all we've got. We went in expecting 20 minutes. We walked out with 35. So there we go. We are in the Missouri uh, of your podcast to your SEMO ears. We are giving you way more than you anticipated. How's that? That's right. BK, any final thoughts? That's all I got, man. Yeah. <laughs> I gave you everything I had for out. 34 minutes. We stretched it out. That's all I've got for you. Uh, Mizzou wins. They got a big win. Uh, not a big. They got a win. They got a needed win against a lesser opponent. And that's that's what we've got. Trinkwitz is back to 500 on his record. That's good. Oh, over 500 on his record. That's good. There we go. Um, yeah, we'll get ready for BC. So that's the show for today. Enjoy the win. You got 24 hours, and then we look forward to the next opponent. But we uh, appreciate your downloads and subscriptions. Leave a comment or you can rate us because we love all types of feedback. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. Of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock and Nation. You can listen to BK on the radio if you are in St. Louis, 101 ESPN. Weekdays, 10 to 3. Of course, we will be getting back to you with you on Wednesday. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, see you. See you.